Welcome to the Faith Forward podcast series. Faith Forward is a grassroots network dedicated to bringing together leaders of ministry with children, youth, and families for collaboration, resourcing, and inspiration toward innovative theology and practice. Through this series, we'll learn from creative, forward-thinking leaders who are pushing the boundaries and reimagining what it means to follow Jesus' way of love and justice today. Join us as we instigate a revolution of hope in our world. Welcome to the Faith Forward Podcast. I'm Dave Sinis, and my guests today are the authors of a new book called New Directions for Holy Questions, Progressive Christian Theology for Families. Please welcome Claire Brown and Anita Peebles. Claire is an Episcopal priest, uh, a writer, and a spiritual director who lives in Athens, Tennessee. And Anita is an associate pastor for Next Generation Ministries at Seattle First Baptist Church. Thank you both for being here with me today. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Good to be here. It sounds a little bit, as I was um, kind of preparing this, it sounds a little bit like I was setting myself up for a punchline, right? An Episcopal priest and a Baptist minister write a book about progressive progressive theology. Um, So like, where did this idea come from? How did you meet? um, And and what prompted you to to work on this project? Uh, I am currently raising two little kids, five and two years old. And a couple of years ago, um, my oldest had just learned the Easter story. And shortly in that same spring, um, our, our dog accidentally killed some bunnies in our yard. And so I was having this priest parent moment where I'm like, we're going to do a bunny funeral and this is going to be a really good lean in and ritualize and let him do some spiritual meaning making. And then I found him out in the yard later, crouched down and watching the graves. And he was out there, Dave, waiting for God to raise the bunnies from the dead like Christ. And it was this moment of realizing that I had not communicated as clearly as I wanted to some core tenets about our faith Uh and sent me looking for resources that I could trust. Um, I grew up in a very conservative evangelical Christian tradition. And so a lot of the formation that I was offered when I was his age um, is not something that I would choose for my family now. And I was struggling to find just what I was looking for. Um, A a children's catechism that was not as rigid as a catechism, Uh, something that I could both lean on and expand on. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. And so in my searching for this, this resource that I could kind of envision is what I needed. Um, not finding it, I ended up having a conversation with Wendy Claire Berry, who's an Episcopal mm-hmm. formation leader and was at the time at uh, church publishing. And she also had never found this book and suggested we make it. So cool. I reached out to Anita to make it together. Amazing. We have known each other for... I think going on eight years um, now, um, I did a an intentional uh, intentional community uh, volunteer program after I graduated from undergrad, um, and 
and I moved to Nashville. Um, and Claire was already in seminary and doing her field education placement with uh, with the organization that I was that I was working with, um, and and that was hosting the the program that I did. Um, so so first we met in that way, and then. Um, a year a year later i started at vanderbilt divinity school and so then claire and i became uh became colleagues and um it's still really great to be colleagues across the um across the us uh, from each other awesome yeah I, I love that um that idea that you know rather than waiting for something to for someone else to do something you just did it yourself i think that's how some of the best stuff um happens and and mm -hmm. uh, what Claire, what you were saying really reminds me of um, a lot of why Faith Forward really started um, a, a while back was just for that very reason of parents in more uh, progressive circles, many of whom were, you know, self-identified recovering fundamentalists, um, or, you know, at least looking to expand themselves beyond um, the the more the more rigid confines of a particular tradition um had no idea what to do with their children because unfortunately you know for, for better or for worse we kind of parent out of what we know mm -hmm. and if what we know isn't what we want to pass on we're left kind of tinkering with what we can to, to make something work so i love the fact that um, there are resources like your book available now and, and one thing I love about it is that it's not one thing. Like I was trying to, as, as I was going through it, um, and, and you were very gracious enough to give me an advanced copy or a sneak peek, um, I was struck by how to describe it. I was like, well, it's not a collection of stories, but there are stories in it. And it's not a bunch of activities, but there are activities in it. Uh, and it's not just based on scripture, but there's a lot of scripture in it. Um, and it's filled with questions as well for families to explore together. So I love that the, the sheer diversity and um, uh, th that's in it in, in almost a, a way that you can, if you wanted, if, if you're the kind of person that wants to just pick something up and do it as instructed, you know, if you're a real rule keeper, um, then you can do that and you can go through each of these sections um, but if not, then you kind of choose your own adventure and pick and choose what best works for you. Uh, I think that's really important. Where did everything come from? Like, how did you decide um, what's needed in terms of the, the breadth of topics and, and the activities and readings and stories and questions to include? Um, wh where did all that kind of come from? Um, so in some ways, it did come from this idea of catechesis of what what, what are the fundamental questions of, of the Christian tradition? So it kind of from a pretty, I don't know, traditional or conservative approach, yeah. you know, we want to talk about who's God, who's Jesus, who's the Holy spirit. Right. Uh, <laughs> those are, those are some, some building blocks. Um, I also thought a lot about the topics that, um, honestly, that I studied in seminary that were considered, uh, rather than systematic theology, that kind of lays things out a constructive theology approach. Um, and then we, as we wrote, we kept finding new questions that we wanted to make sure and deal with. Yeah. I think beyond those kind of, you know, 
systematic theology questions. Um, they're the questions that we've heard, you know, Claire as a minister and a parent and myself as somebody who's working, has been working with children for a while and in church and out of church, um, things that we needed to respond to, like what happens when we die um, and, and where is God when bad things happen? Um, and you know, how do we care for creation, um, is a, is one that's really close to, close to my heart, um, as eco theology is something that I really think about a lot. And, um, and so that was, that was really exciting, um, you know, being responsive to, um, real kids in our, in our lives who are like asking those things and thinking, well, yes, we do need to respond to that. Um, but then along the, along the way two different things emerged, um, so like we were writing the um, the first chapter, the who am I chapter, which is basically theological anthropology, like how humans relate to God and how we understand what we, you know, where humanity is, um, is located. And, um, and in that we had conversations with our editor, Wendy, um, about like, do we need to say something about sin and, um, and then, well, if we're going to talk about sin, we need to talk about forgiveness and then we realize, like, you know, what we want to really emphasize in that particular chapter is like, um, is just like the basic belovedness at the very at the very first level of creation. Like, you are beloved. And so then, from from there, we're like, well, let's have another chapter on sin and forgiveness. Um, so that was a that was a really a really healthy and a really interesting conversation that we had of like, you know, theologically, of like, how are we separating these out and why. Um, but, uh, we also have justice stories in the, in the book, which, um, mm -hmm. is just something that I totally love about this project. Um, and some of the organizations or people or events that we highlight in those justice stories are, um, are well-known, um, or well-known in more progressive Christian circles. Um, right. and then others were just like, you know, we really want to uplift a sanctuary movement and, you know, this, the church that we talk about, um, and when we talk about sanctuary is, um, a dear friend of mine is a pastor of that church. And, um, and then we asked other, other folks in our communities, you know, like when we ask, when we talk about this theological question, you know, what kind of story comes to mind of like, where do you, um, where do you see the, the justice part of practicing your faith playing out in real life? Um, and then we kind of, you know, worked with, worked with those organizations to, to tell the story and say like, are, are we representing you correctly? Is that okay? The, the book really does speak to the subtitle that it's progressive, progressive Christian theology for families. One of the big challenges we're facing in our shifting uh, social structures and, and ecclesial structures is that families whether they are parents or children or aunts or uncles or grandparents, it's not, you know, a lot of people are struggling with how to have these conversations and how to tell these stories and how to share these practices um, with each other. It's not really this, you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, we have to, how do you pass on the faith? The, the problem is really that the, the parents are often not, they're not even sure for themselves what their faith looks like in the context of, home and family life when it's outside of the church. Is that something you found too? Oh, definitely. Um, and I think that's, that's where the need for this volume 
was really alive for me is that I was, um, Anita and I both also, when we were living in Nashville, worked for um, uh, the United Methodist Publishing, working on curriculum for them. So we were actually really well acquainted with great church-based resources that do a lot of the work um, that I think informs and fits with this book. But this is really written for caretakers and children to explore together. Um, And one of the things we've been really delighted and surprised by is how many adults are like, oh, I need this book. Even adults who do not have children are like, oh, I've never thought about (laughs) this question that way. So even even friends of ours who maybe just uh, bonded in support and love for us (laughs) are like, oh, I never thought about that question. No one ever told me that. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, I think thinking outside the box of church and, and thinking about the, the culture of families, whatever that looks like, right. Is, is definitely at the heart of this project. And I think a lot too, um, you know, I don't, I don't have, uh, children in my, in my home. Um, but I work with children and, um, and I'm, I'm a children's minister. Um, and, uh, so I'm very aware that, that spiritual formation primarily happens outside of the institutional church, right? Absolutely. Like aside of Sunday morning at 10, at 10 o'clock and Wednesday night, maybe. Um, and then of course, during the pandemic, when the whole understanding of how we, how we do church, where church is, um, what it is, what counts as real church um, has also shifted, you know, I'm, I'm even more aware of that. And so um so this, I mean, this project um, started, you know, fairly early on in the pandemic. Um, so that's weird to say. Um, yeah. And uh, and so, like, I was just really looking for resources that I could offer to the families in my congregation, um, and something to to help steward them. And so when Claire said, you know you kind of keep track of like what resources are, are out there. Like, have you ever come across something like this? Um, like, no, but it should definitely be a thing. <laughs> um, and so I, I hope that this will be, will be a tool that families, you know, feel, feel ownership of, and that it's not, it's not some intimidating theological text with like too many buzzwords or something. It's not just oh, yeah. something that they've gotten from, you know, their pastor who had something in seminary and wanted to share their book. Um, but something that really they can, they can, uh, live alongside or that lives alongside with them. And yet it's filled with deep ideas and rich insights Mm -hmm. without saying, this is what you need to believe. I think that's the combination that really speaks to me. Um, cause you know, we, we wouldn't say if, if a family comes up to us and says, my kids are really struggling to understand the Trinity and truth be told, I don't quite get it either. We're not going to say, well, Carl Barth in volume three, you know, of church dogmatics has 700 pages about this. Let me lend you my copy. We're not going to say that even though that is a valuable resource. Um, and so now there is actually, uh, something out there that we can point people to and, and, and say, you know, these are short, like, I I love that they are short, uh, not just short chapters, but within each chapter is a little bit of a, a little bit of a potluck of what you can pick and choose, how to engage with it as well. And like a good potluck, everyone's going to pick some things over other things. And that's what makes it good. The book's been out for uh, a month or two now. Um, we are going on two years uh, of the pandemic. 
uh, I, I, this is the kind of thing that I can understand why parents and families and caregivers now more than ever um, really see the value of something like this. What's the response been like in these, in these weeks and months? I think Claire hinted at it a little bit, um, but it, it, just for me, I think that we've had a lot of positive response and, and people are already using this resource in ways that we just didn't imagine. Um, like people are, well, a really dear friend of ours um, used her advanced copy um, with her youth group just to try it out. Cool. Um, and, uh, and then another friend um, read a chapter and did some of the spiritual practices that are in that with, um, with a group of, of seniors who are in hospice care. And we just heard about those like on the day that the book was published, like people who had advanced copies or something um, were like, let me see how I can do this. But, um, but I think it's really, it, it's really expanded um, the, our idea of how this can be used and where it might be impactful has expanded um, as people are seeing this. They're, they're just having so many ideas that at least I never imagined um, that would be, would be a way that they wanted to use this, you know, for membership classes, for pre-baptism classes, um, you know, for, for a, an intergenerational group study at church, um, like all, all sorts of things. And so I think that's been the most exciting thing um, for me is just to, just to hear those stories of how people are imagining using it or already using it. I love that idea of working with teens and seniors and all sorts of different contexts and groups of people. And I think it speaks to the value of something that Sandy Sasso said at our second Faith Forward gathering, actually in Nashville. She writes amazing children's books. uh, And she said that children don't need simple concepts, but they need a simple language, right? They can understand complex concepts. And this day and age, I cannot get over how every year that passes, that is more true for um, adults as well. And for all of us as well, Mm -hmm. as we are not learning Christianity by osmosis, which to be honest, I don't really grieve too much because I think sometimes the Christianity we learned by osmosis was more cultural than it was faith-filled. And so we have the opportunity to actually, you know, rediscover the, the heart of the type of discipleship that Jesus calls us to. Um, But what that means is for a lot of us, we're starting over and we're starting from different places. And so to have something that, you know, might've been made for families, but because there's not much out there, um, people are, adapting it uh, for their context is just, it's just brilliant. This has obviously been a labor of love. There's so much in there. If you had to pick out something that was your, what you think is the best part of it or something that really is the most meaningful to you, what, what would you say? Oh, that's hard. Um, I, I found a lot of delight in the work of figuring out how to build it. Um, when Anita was speaking earlier about, oh, we need a, we need a chapter on who am I, but guess what? Sin and forgiveness is actually doesn't belong there. It's important enough. It needs a chapter, but it is not the starting place. Um, belovedness is the start. Teasing all of this apart was actually really good soul work for me and my own faith. Um, so I think you feel the, the joy and the love for this project because, we let it transform us in the making. Mm. 
Yeah, that's really beautiful, Claire. I feel I feel like I'm getting emotional <laughs> just thinking yeah. about it um, in that way. Um, but uh, Dave, at the beginning of the conversation, you I, you said you know there's an Episcopalian and there's a Baptist. Like, is there a punchline in here? Um, but is there that, is there one? Tell me, there's one. I I'm I don't think I'm funny, so I like to. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but one of my favorite parts about this project, like besides getting to do this with just a friend um, who has also, you know, been a pastor to me, um, is uh, is that this is an ecumenical project, and so like yeah. some of the most the most fun and the most like interesting stuff for me was like, uh, well, for example, our chapter on baptism, um, Episcopalians and people in Baptist traditions uh, understand baptism. Um, or the practice of baptism very different and what that ritual right. looks like. And right. so it was really exciting, you know, um, cause I'm like, I feel pretty strongly as a, as a Baptist, um, about how we do it, um, and about my own experience of, of believers baptism. Um, mm. and, and Claire feels really strongly about how Episcopalians do baptism. And so it was just really fun to have those conversations and be like, okay, what, what are the most basic things about this ritual, about this communal commitment um, that people are making to the person being baptized and that the, and the baptized person is, is making, um, or the people who are, you know, surrounding that person are making um, and like committing to a life of faith or raising somebody in the faith. And so we really got to go back to like the building blocks and, and, you know, uplift the, some people do this, some people do this. Um, but also say like, you know, God's presence is, is particularly felt in this kind of ritual and here's, and here's how, and this is an experience of grace and community, um, in both our traditions has a really important part of like, we are supporting this person. Um, so, so the ecumenical aspect was just really fun and, um, and I think makes it more meaningful too. Um, it's, it's not. Uh, this work is not something that belongs in just, you know, one denomination that is more progressive than another denomination. Um, but I think it, I think it goes along with what a lot of progressive folks are, are finding of like, often we have more in common with progressive wings of other denominations than our yeah. own, um, than, you know, we do in internally, like, yeah, yeah. So. And I think that's one thing that like, you're naming something that really drew me to the book and made me fall in love with it is that it's, it's ecumenical without being intentionally ecumenical. It's ecumenical because of who you are and how you come together across lines of difference. And I think that's what, what really strikes me as um, beautiful and good and, and exciting about it is that it speaks to where faith is going. And it's just so grassroots as well. Um, like for, for people who want who are, who are lamenting a dearth of resources in a certain area or for a certain practice or for a certain community, um, you can make them. And it doesn't matter even if they're published or not. Um, and, and if you are worried about how to make them, you too have shown us that you can find colleagues and co-conspirators across lines of difference, right? You don't have to stay within your same uh, networks. Um, so, You've already kind of explained to us a little bit about 
uh, how people have been using the book in surprising ways. Um, how would you recommend someone get started? So either um, if you were a, a pastor or if you were a parent or a, a member of a family or a household, right? How would you recommend people pick up the book and, and get into it? Um, I'll speak to maybe if you're a parent with a kid or a caretaker with a kid, um, because of course, you know, I was, <laughs> I was chipping away at this on my laptop for 18 months. Right, and then right. all of a sudden a box of these books comes to my door. <laughs> yeah. and, um, hey, I did this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here it is. And um, the same kid whose weird idea about how the resurrection applies to rabbits um, yeah is curls up on the couch with me and says, let's look at your book. And I said, great. What? And I said to him, what are some questions that you have about God lately? Amazing. And so he asked about, um, how did he put it? He said, did Jesus die on the cross or did they kill him on the cross? Hmm. Which is a fascinating nuance in yeah. multiple realms of theological reflection. Right, um, right. Yeah. Anyway, we won't get into that, but <laughs> then I'm like, great. You know, our friend Anita wrote a chapter about that. Uh, mm -hmm. We kind of uh, tag teamed on taking lead on each chapter. So that was also um, a place of delight to dive into your work on that. But I just said, what, what are some big questions you have? And so we actually just skipped around like a, well, like a theological potluck, as you said, right. Um, seeing what his next question after having a little excerpt from one chapter and then another, and then another, mm -hmm. and we just kind of played with it together for probably half an hour. And then he decided it was time to go do something else. Cause he's five and we put it back on the coffee table and we'll pick it up again when he's curious again. Yeah. And I love that you're saying like, look for the prompts, not just in what you look for, but when you go to it as well, it doesn't need to be a Sunday night for an hour. We're going to go through this book. It's ah, right. We have this book for when, when we need it. Yeah. And, um, another friend who, uh, has the book, her eight-year-old just recently said, so what actually happens when we die? And she goes, Oh, I think Claire's book has a chapter, you know, and yeah, so they, yeah. over and they grab it and they sit down yeah. and read. Um, Anita, would, would you mind speaking about like, what would you recommend for, for uh, people who are in a position like yours working with um, children and teens and, and uh, families? You know, I really envision um, this book being used in a, in a similar way, you know, when, um, when kids ask those, uh, ask those questions or, or are really struggling with a certain topic, um, you know, it's okay to reach out to your pastor, right? Mm -hmm. um, or your youth minister. Um, and I hope that, you know, this can be something on the shelf um, or, or on, the, on the desk that somebody can reach for. Um, but another thing that I'm thinking of is, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes volunteers at church, um, volunteer Sunday school teachers yeah. or, uh, or youth ministers who haven't been to seminary um, or, you know, just a whole, a whole host of different people in your church who are also involved in caretaking for the children in your faith community, you know, sometimes they don't feel a, a very equipped um, to handle the questions that are coming up, you know, as you're coloring or as you're volunteering together or planting a garden or whatever. And so, um, so I'm thinking for my, for my own congregation of um, inviting people who are engaged in 
various aspects of children and youth ministry to, to read this together, um, kind of like as a, as like our own little fellowship study, um, just to Amazing. be a, be a group of, of grownups working on our own faith formation, um, so that we, you know, not only can point somebody to the book, but we can, um, really engage with those, with those questions and conversation topics, uh, with the kids that are in our care. Um, even if that is just a couple hours a week, you know, so that we can be engaged adults. Amazing. Well, there's so much we could, we could say, um, you know, on any one of the topics that we've talked about. Um, but hopefully this has wet our, uh, listeners' appetites, not just for the book, but for the whole reason that the book exists, right? To help um, families be equipped to engage in conversation, to engage in forming one another in faith, and to help pastors as well do that work. Thank you so much, uh, Anita and Claire, for being my guests. And uh, and uh, I, I do hope that there are ways that people can uh, connect with you to learn more and to to kind of stay up to date with with what's going on. Where's the best way for people to um, to learn more about maybe how people are using the book or, or what you're up to in in your uh, work in your ministries? Yeah, so we are on Facebook and Instagram, New Directions for Holy Questions, and we also have um, a simple website, NewDirectionsForHolyQuestions.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Faith Forward podcast series. If you want to learn more from creative thinkers and innovative leaders, be sure to subscribe or visit faith-forward.net.